Hello, I'm Charlie Cesera and welcome to the Coach's Voice CV Spaces podcast. Each week on a Monday at 5.30, we're joined by two highly qualified coaches live on Twitter Spaces to dissect the most interesting tactical points from the weekend's action. This week, we'll be reflecting on a dramatic final day in the Premier League and discussing in-game management and coaching in high-pressure environments. During this week's Spaces, we're joined by Loughborough University Director of Football, Rebecca Suvet and QPR Head of Academy Performance, Ross Bennett. First up, I'm delighted to welcome to CV Spaces the Watford lead coach and Loughborough University Director of Football, um, Rebecca. How are you? Um, and did you enjoy yesterday? Hi, hi everyone. Um, hi Charlie. Yeah, uh... Did I enjoy it? Um, it? As a Leeds fan, it was a very, very nervous day. Uh, Mum and I watched the game together. She's a massive Leeds fan as well. I must admit, with five minutes to go, I did go and sit in the garden. I couldn't take it anymore. And um, when Jack Harrison put that one in the back of the net on the 94th minute, uh, safe to say, we, we did go a bit mad in this household. <laughs> Brilliant. That's how you need to do it. But no, well done to Leeds. We will be t- we, will, we will be talking uh, Leeds and Jesse Marsh, I'm sure, a bit later on. Um, but alongside Rebecca, we have Ross Bennett. Uh, how are you? How's it going, Ross? And obviously, you're the, the QPR head of performance. Um, how's the season been for you guys, for the academy, and as a club as a whole? Yeah. Hi, Charlie. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been interesting. It's been really good. Obviously, now we're we're looking for the next manager to come in, and and we're building the training ground. Um, so we're looking. Yeah. So I guess really exciting times. The first team and and the academy are going to be on the same site for the first time ever. So uh, it's going to be really exciting times next year. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to what what the future comes and and the club hopefully going in in, in a really good direction and trying to get back to the Premier League at some point. Good stuff. Yeah, no, they've had a good season, haven't they? We spoke to Mark Warburton and he was a great guest and he's done a brilliant masterclass. So we wish him best of luck for whatever he does next. OK, let's get stuck in today's conversation. So, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Uh, I know you've kind of touched on it, but um, let's talk more about the title race. How do you reflect on yesterday's um, two games of football? Yeah, I think just in terms of a, a day, a super spectacle for the, the Premier League, uh, and everything that England has to showcase in terms of football. You've got, you know, the title race, uh, the top four, the relegation, European places, uh, and and the golden boot that was um, all up and down in the space of, uh, you know, 90 minutes yesterday. So what more could football fans across the world really ask for in terms of um, excitement? So, uh, that, like, in terms of reflection, um, you know, as a Leeds fan, super happy. Um, but, you know, what I love about the title race in itself when we're, when we're thinking about Man City and Liverpool is you've got two of the best managers in the world with two fantastic teams pushing each other every single minute of every single game to be the absolute best version that they can, they can be. Uh, an emotional reaction we, we saw at the end there for, from Pep um, and that's the reason we absolutely love it. Uh, and I guess last final thought for me is just a bit of a, a thought goes out really to, to Burnley and the Burnley fans. I think that they've given the Premier League, um, is it six six or seven fantastic years? So it's definitely filled for those fans yesterday and, uh, and a bit of a sad day in terms of them and, and their relegation. Yeah, I, I echo that sentiment. And I thought the job that Mike Jackson done, Ben Mee and those coaches to come in um, and put that run together 
they've done a fantastic job and just missed out. So um, hopefully they can kind of have a good future, whether that's with the club or without. Um, Ross, let's talk about Manchester City and Aston Villa specifically. What did you make of the game? Yeah, very interesting game, wasn't it? And um, I have to say, I was, I was, part of me was rooting for Liverpool just um, for the, the amount they've come back. And I've got a really soft spot for Jurgen Klopp. I think Pep Guardiola is leading the game and, and Trailblazer. But yeah, I, I, for some reason, I was leaning towards Liverpool. But you have to admire, um, you know, City getting the job done because they started off a little bit cagey, um, you know, defending, conceded a few goals that probably, you know, you wouldn't be happy with um, being at the top of the top of the league. But I think it was really interesting the way they navigated that game and how, you know, some key decisions from Pep, especially bringing on a few players. And he said it himself, we lacked width. We lacked those basic principles that we needed to penetrate Villa. Villa were very compact, happy to defend central areas. So people like Sterling coming onto the game and was proven in the first goal, someone who's going to take the fullback on 1v1 and, and just have those that width and that depth that they needed uh, to be patient and, and break Villa down. And as soon as they scored the first goal, you know, you just knew what was coming, didn't you, from, from, from either a neutral fan or probably a neutral fan, not a Man City fan, you was, you was, you was hoping. Um, so I thought it was a very fascinating game. Um, at 2-0, I thought Liverpool might might do it, but credit to sticking to the game plan in such high-pressure situations, sticking to the philosophy, sticking to your principles and making key subs that essentially changed the game for Pep, really. Yeah, I thought some of those, it was a bad first half for City, but in the second half, especially the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Foden, who might not have had the best first half, they didn't stop. They were still being brave on the ball. And I think that's kind of, obviously with those changes, what, what made the difference in a six minutes of madness. But um, Steven Gerrard, Rebecca, I, I kind of wanted to ask what you thought about him tactically, because I thought, I thought he'd done a really good job yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I, I, I really agree with um, what Ross has said there in terms of, you know, um, a, a reflection on the game itself. And uh, Zinchenko, Sterling and Gudjonsson, when they, when they um, Gundjong, when he come on, I think all three of those subs at those key moments in the game uh, changed it for, for Pep and, and Man City. In terms of what, what Stephen did, you know, in the clips uh, and the parts of the game that, that I've watched, um, I think made it, made it really defensively hard to beat uh, and at times defending with 10 in the box. Um, really interesting tactics around flooding that central area with, you know, fullbacks such as Matty Pash pushing on into those uh, wide areas really high up the pitch, putting in um, crosses and getting on the end of crosses. And I think that's been a bit of a, a trademark Stevie Gerrard tactic um, this season and throughout. So, you know, I, I think I can imagine as well Liverpool fans really rooting and hoping that Stevie did the job against uh, City yesterday. Um, and I thought they that um, Villa were really hard to beat yesterday. I think they gave that a really good go. Something else that I really enjoyed was um, in terms of a tactic, uh, they must have worked on it a little bit because I saw a lot of the goalkeeper going long putting and dropping the ball on the likes of Fernandinho at centre-half. Ollie uh, Watkins, you know, uh, in terms of getting first and second contact in those 1v1 battles um, and flicking it on. Um, and that's where, you know, Coutinho got in beyond for, for one of those goals with a, a really good first touch with the right foot on the outside and, and a low finish. So I, I, I think they gave it a really good, good go yesterday tactically. So close to a Steven Gerrard masterclass for those Liverpool fans. But on, in, the other, in the other dugout, Ross, Pep Guardiola, what did you make of his performance yesterday? Because started Fernandinho at centre-half. Um, Rebecca just mentioned how Watkins gave him a, a tricky afternoon. 
Um, but what do you make of Pep Guardiola and his performance yesterday? Yeah, I think he was. Um, I think he was excellent. Really, he managed the game really well. Um, obviously, I think he recognised at half time, like I said earlier, them key principles, these attacking principles that he lives by. They weren't really there in the first half, and obviously some some defending that that wasn't ideal in terms of Fernandino getting done a couple of times and, and, and Matty Cash getting in at the back post. So I think second half, it, the key was patience. It was let's make some subs to affect the game. Um, let's go back to what we're good at, about being patient, playing around the arc. As, as Rebecca said, Aston Villa dropped quite deep at times. So they were going to have a lot of the ball. And it was about creating that space for these top players to, to get on the end of it or be able to run into the box and, and score. So width and height definitely came into it. Width and depth came into it in the second half. And I think he... he, he, he he looks quite calm on, on the sideline, even though we know Pep, he's quite animated. It was all about getting the job done. Um, and yes, they left it late, but I think he managed that second half really well, considering where you know where the, where they came from, 1-0 down, and they went 2-0 down. So great resilience from the Man City players and, and worthy champions in the end. I think the whole of Manchester was kind of pining for Jack Grealish. Obviously, he helped the comeback against West Ham a week later, playing against his old club, but... Do you know what I mean? That's why Pep's so great. He made those clear decisions with Gundogan and Sterling, who both were instrumental to coming on. Um, and Zinchenko deserves deserves a shout out because he, he was brilliant when he came on. And obviously, what's been happening with Ukraine, it was emotional to see his reaction. Um, but I, again, I wanted to talk about Jurgen Klopp. Liverpool, they're so close. They could have made history with the, the quad, and they still got the Champions League final. But Rebecca, what's your opinions on on Jurgen Klopp as a coach and how he's performed this season? I I think one of the obvious comparisons between um, Liverpool and and City is is budget. And um, within uh, Liverpool's financial model um, and the way that that club is run, I think Klopp's done an unbelievable job with with the players that he has. And I do think he's been backed to a certain extent. And for example, players such as Thiago, for me, is a, is a standout performer um, this season for him. Um, his vision, his techniques, his flair, his finesse. And we saw that with, with his assist yesterday. Um, but also um, players like, is it, uh, I want to get the pronunciation of this one right, but Konata, uh, at centre half, I know he was um, a little bit at fault for his goal yesterday, but he's he's a, a player I really like in that back line and has added a lot of of value. Um, the stats itself yesterday, you know, sixty three percent possession, twenty nine chances. Um, you know that they're, they're a really aggressive team, uh, dominate you know the ball, uh, really aggressive in their high press. And I think what I like about um, Jurgen is just his ability. Um, to foster really meaningful relationships with his players. Um, and we get small insights into that, you know, pre-game, post-game. Um, but I think his meaningful relationships with players, they want to play for him. Um, they they really outwork opposition um, in and out of possession. And I've really enjoyed uh, watching uh, Liverpool this season. Yeah, we wish them luck for next Saturday in the Champions League final, but I totally agree with everything you're saying. I would love a, I would love a Jurgen Klopp hug. Um, so you can see why his players run through brick walls for him. Um, well, let's well, let's talk about uh, Tottenham, who secured Champions League football um, yesterday after an emphatic victory against Norwich. Ross, what do you make of Antonio Conte and the job that he's done since coming in? I mean, Tottenham was six points behind Arsenal, um, who had a game in hand, and they've kind of gone on to win eight eight from eleven. What do you what do you make of Antonio Conte's performance this season? 
Yeah, I think I think he's done really well, Charlie. I, I have to admit, I'm a Tottenham fan, so I was, I was delighted yesterday with, with with getting fourth. And I think the, the better team probably did nick fourth. So sorry to all the Arsenal fans out there. Um, but I think Conte's done in and, and and done an amazing job. We can all see his energy, his passion. He's got you know he's he's got a good squad there. He's got some very very good players. Um, and and I thought he, with Yulichenko, he, he got good player in who's added to the to the team. Maybe um, a bit surprisingly, he's added to the, how good that he's come in and impacted the team uh, with with Lucas a little bit out of favour now. But his energy and his press, you know, his 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 passion. Uh, you can tell he's working twenty four seven around the clock, and he's very intense. But I think that's what Spurs needed. They needed a bit of a lift um, th- this season, and they've got quality in the team to be able to go and and and, and beat teams. And it lends itself to that counter attack type football. Where when, when needed to, um, but he's very, very, very passionate, and I think the fans resonate with that. And and you know, my only worry with it is is like someone like Bielsa, um, at some point does it does it run its course, and is it a bit too intense for a long period of time? But I think for now, and and then prepping for next season, he's he's the perfect man for the job. I didn't know you were a Tottenham fan, so it's great to hear. <laughs> I keep it um, quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so what are your what are your hopes then for next season under Conte? I think we have to try and challenge where we are and try and challenge for, you know, getting close to teams like Chelsea and, and, and stuff like that. Hopefully they have a good transfer summer and, and, and add to the squad. I think, first of all, we have to keep good players. You know, Harry Kane's been linked for a number of years now, but hopefully with Champions League football, that's enough to keep people like that at the club. Um, so I think we have to push on and, and under Conte he's shown that, you know, we can compete with the big players against, uh, with the big teams against them and hopefully narrow that gap to teams like Chelsea and, and get back to where maybe Poch, Poch was in, in, in his best days. Good stuff. And Rebecca, it's, it's the moment you've been waiting for. Um, Jesse Marsh. Jesse Marsh came in um, and he took over from Marcelo Bielsa. I think I'm right in saying how loved Bielsa is by the Leeds fans. Um, what do you make of his performances he's come in? Is there any tactical tweaks he's changed um, from Bielsa? And um, are, you, are you excited to, to see what he can do next season with a full pre-season? Yeah, I think, you know, I am a widow of Bielsa. I will be very honest. When he left, that was a very, very sad day. Um, his time might have been up, but, but I still think during his tenure, you know, we weren't in the bottom three there. Um, I, I was really lucky in the last few seasons. I, I got to watch Bielsa's Leeds live, and you know, for anyone that has done that, it is an absolute. You know, it really is a joy to watch the movement, the interchange, the intensity, and I think lots of fans of football fell in love with Bielsa's Leeds, regardless of you know um, what what club uh, people do support. And then you know, Jesse's come in. I think. A lot of people have got behind Jesse, which is which is great. Um, I, I've I've been to see Jesse's leads as well, um, and kind of been told um, he makes people feel valued there. You know, players um, and staff at, at the football club. And I think when you are in a bit of a dogfight, um, those traits are really important. You know, to for the manager to feel like. You know, they, they, they love you and they back you and, and things like that. And, and people have got a bit of ownership to, to be themselves. Uh, the styles of play for me are, are quite different on the eye. Um, Jesse is a bit more pragmatic as a coach. Uh, the style of football has changed somewhat. And I think just as an example, you can probably see that in, you know, uh, Meslier uh, is a little bit more direct with distribution. We go a little longer. Um, you know, we do press... Uh, in a slightly different way. We set traps. 
uh, yes, we, we we play high. And I think probably goal number one for Leeds yesterday, um, where Rafa's uh, set that trap, won it back, 1v1 with the goalkeeper, and then the goalkeeper's taken him out for that pen. And he's stepped up in that really big moment, high-pressured scenario, delayed, give a little stop-start on his um, run-up for the penalty and, and put that away. So, yeah, I, I think they're very different in terms of their approach. For me, I, I, I really hope Rads and the board back Jesse in the transfer window. But also, it's really, really important that we keep players like Rafinha. You know, he's been linked already. Uh, he's got 11 goals this season. He's an absolute star. If, if people get the opportunity to go and watch him live, he's he's wow, a, a really wow player. Um, so if we can keep players like him. Um, but also, you know, we've, got a re- we've had a really small squad and I know Bielsa likes to work with a small squad. So it'll be interesting just to see whether... Uh, Jesse adds a bit more depth uh, to that squad. But, you know, we've, we've had players like, um, you know, Ge- Joe Geldhart, 20 years old, step up and, and put in some absolutely fantastic performances. So I really hope Leeds don't lose that identity of giving uh, chances to really talented young players coming through their pipeline as well. Yeah, Gerhardt's going to be some player, isn't he? I, I can't wait to see his development. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen, Rebecca, have you seen any of the, the Jesse Marsh uh, content after the game in the change room, giving Rouse's speeches? I mean, I, I just think he's so infectious. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's obviously he's American, so there's a stupid stigma, but I, I think he's a brilliant coach. Have you, have you warmed to him as much as Bielsa? Um, I think I'm still on a bit of a Bielsa hangover, but that's just me. I did really, I really got behind Bielsa and, and what he achieved. You know, as a Leeds fan, we hadn't been in the Premier League for so long. So what he did uh, will never be forgotten in terms of our fan base. There's no doubt about that. Um, but I know, you know, Jesse's done, um, you know, some interviews and some pieces for Coach's Voice and some good uh, and talented coaching friends of mine really, really admire him. They, you know, shared that content with me. I have watched um, some of his um, speeches in the changing room and, and, and followed um, him and, and what he's been saying and some of his consistent messages with the team. Um, and I, I think come next season, when he's had that opportunity, because I think Bielsa's identity and uh, impression on Leeds as a team was so strong it was always going to take any coach, no matter who it was, a significant period of time to evolve the team and shape the team into that new way of, um, you know, in and out of possession, set pieces and that identity. And I think what the beauty is now for Jesse is he's got his time over the summer to work out, you know, who he's going to keep, uh, who he's going to, you know, uh, sign in the summer that fits his identity his thinking and evolve the team and the principles. He said yesterday in his interview, you know, now's the time for him to shape that team into what he wants it to, to be like for next year. So I'm really looking forward to that. We love him here at the Coach's Voice. We've got some great content with him and hopefully there might be some more coming up. So keep your eyes out for that. But um, what one thing I wanted to ask, Ross, what advice would you give for coaches? We've seen Pep, we've seen Klopp, all the, all the great coaches you mentioned, but... What advice would you give to help improve kind of that in-game management, especially in high-pressured environments? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really difficult, especially for coaches who haven't got the level of experience that people like ourselves, like Pep and, and Jurgen. But I think it's about taking the emotion out of any decision. 
um, and also utilizing your your staff you've got around you. So you've got all your support coaches, you've got your analysts, and and maybe a coach up in the stands, and 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 seeing what they're seeing and seeing right tactically where we, where are we being exploited, um, or where are we not exploiting exploiting the other team? Um, you might be able to see that yourself if you're top level like Pep, you know. But you don't know how much he leans on certain coaches to 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 help him in the game. But I think the main thing is taking the emotion out of the game and and looking at the game as a an objective. Um, an objective thing where, well, we need more width. What sort of player can give us that? What tactical changes can give, give us that? Is it formational? Is it personnel? Um, and you just make that, that, that judgment call based on, based on what you think is the right decision, um, not an emotional response. Rebecca, are there any particular coaches or experiences you've had working in high-pressure environments? And who would you say are the best coaches you, you've worked with in terms of that? I think, look, I agree with a lot of, um, you know, what Ross has said there, uh, especially around watching the films, uh, running scenarios at training, whether that's, you know, 11 v 11, phases of play. You know, I know some uh, coaches have put, you know, their one of their 11 v 11 teams in, you know, the, the away strip of the opposition at the weekend and, and all sorts just to add that layer of mentality into that, that prep. Um, I think the evidence base, um, you know, and making those um, objective decisions is really important for me. In terms of some personal experiences, I think being a number one and being a number two are, are very different in high pressured scenarios. And the emotional nature of um, being a number one can at times detract from your ability to make decisions if, you know, you're novice or you're not used to it or you're not used to that pressure and you know, I think for me, one of the first real experiences I had of pressure and fan pressure was, um, you know, managing in the championship and stepping out at Hewish Park um, when, you know, there would have been, you know, about a couple of thousand fans there all singing and, and, and chanting. And, you know, that adds a completely different emotional dimension if, if you're a manager and your ability to see and read the game and diagnose with the crowd noise. Um, and you know Ross is right you know do you need to change your strategy your formation is it simply changing a personnel do you want a right footer up against a left footer what what tweaks can you make so it's the atmosphere and the energy and it's also looking out for those momentum swings you know how can you manage the rhythm of the game uh, and what type of player do you need in that moment and even if players are really consistent and, and sometimes cool-headed um, just you know, a, a tackle or uh, who you're up against in terms of opposition can, can change and, and influence people because ultimately players are people. Um, and sometimes when I've, I've been in the dugout and had those opportunities to be a number two, you know, the light and the pressure isn't directly on you. So you have that ability to see things perhaps a little more clearly. So I think our role then as the number two is, is very different. It's, you know, see diagnosis and give the the manager uh, easy, um, simple messages to enable them to process it in those high-pressured scenarios. And I think we really get to work um, uh, at half-time. That's where um, top coaches, you know, earn their money, I, I think, for me. Uh, recently, I guess, in terms of some of the best coaches I've seen manage high-pressured scenarios consistently well with the help of their IDP team is probably, you know, Emma Hayes, serial winner, um, you know, all levels of the game with, with Chelsea, um, openly discusses pressure 
um, and what it's like to perform and how much she absolutely loves it under pressure, making those big calls. That's what she absolutely lives for. Um, so somebody that I really admire in the game that I think does it consistently well at the top level for me is, is Emma Hay. That's it for this week's episode. But if you are a coach yourself, you may be interested in our very own coach education platform, CV Academy. Aimed at coaches at all levels of the game, it helps them develop through premium coach-focused content delivered by a growing network of elite academy and grassroots coaches. You can find loads of great content on there, including our latest session plans and new large group warm-up with Brentford B's Head of Athletic Performance, James Perdue. We're currently running a special offer where you can get 40% off CV Academy and that runs until the Champions League final this Saturday. All you need to do is use the promo code CHAMPIONS40 at the checkout point when signing up. And don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. We'll be back next week for a tactical analysis on the Champions League final as well as sharing our best coaching practices, advice and insights. If you want to join the next CV Spaces Live, then drop us a follow on Twitter at Coach's Voice. And a big thank you finally to our guest speakers today, Rebecca and Ross, and thanks to everyone who listened in.